Hope Signals, the podcast of Mark and Susan Mason. I'm Mark, your host, and uh, we lead the ministry Life on the Verge. You can visit our website at lifeontheverge.com. We are a completely donor-funded musicianary ministry that does most of our work in prisons around the country. We're actually about to hit the road for, well, we it's February, and we will be in an RV probably until September uh, doing prison concerts and ministry in Florida, Texas, uh, hopefully Ohio, Montana, and uh, we might even uh, get to do the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally again this year as well as a few churches. Um, please, please visit our website and you can check out our music as well. We have an album out there called Still Moving Targets and uh, it's on uh, Spotify, all the, all the streaming services under our band name, The Plunders. And you can also visit theplunders.com. Okay, enough advertising. I want to talk to you today about the way up is down. Most of us want to matter in life. I certainly hope so. And undoubtedly, we matter to God enough that he sent his son to die for our sins. But how do we matter more to people? How do we make a bigger difference with our lives? I would hope you're, you have that kind of ambition, that you, you want to make deposits in other people. You want to be a person of impact and influence. Um, this is what brings real, uh, uh, a real sense of significance. And, uh, you know, man, we, we, we minister probably somewhere between five and 10,000 inmates a year. And uh, we maybe get, mm, I don't know, 50 pieces of mail um, but man, that means so much to, to us when an inmate spends the money. We've even had inmates uh, send us money orders for $5. We had one send us an, uh, a money order for 117 bucks from prison. That, that matters a, a lot to us to, to say, hey, we, we meant enough to this person that even after we were gone, you know, we had impact while we were there, but obviously we had influence after we were gone. Um, that means a lot. And, and I know it does to you too when, when people recognize the sacrifices that you make uh, to make a difference. So, so we want to live these lives of impact and influence. We want to make deposits in other people. Um, how, how can we make a bigger impact? How can we have more influence? Um, I did a message a while back called The Way Up is Down, and I referenced Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. And in that passage, uh, the mother of James and John, who were already in the inner circle with Jesus, you know, Peter, James, and John were kind of like his closest compadres. Uh, the mom of James and John comes up to Jesus and falls on her knees and says, hey, grant it that my sons can sit on your left and your right, you know, when we when we all get to heaven. And, uh, you know, she wanted her, her boy, what mom doesn't want that for her boys. Hey, I, I want people to know my sons are at the right and left hand of Jesus. And uh, Jesus went on to say, well, you know, um, that's not really going up to me. You don't know what you're asking. Uh, are you able to drink from the cup that I'm able to drink? And they said, we are able. And he said, you will drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and left hand is not mine to grant, but it's for those to whom it has been prepared by my father. He went on to say that the, the leaders of the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded it over the people. They used their authority to manipulate people. Um, he said, it shouldn't be that way among you. The greatest needs to be the servant of all. And so I came up with this thing uh, years ago when I was building teams in church called the Leadership Continuum. 
And uh, this, I believe, is kind of a progressive way of how we make a, make a, a difference, a, a bigger difference with our lives. We become more significant. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're after in life is, is to be known as being significant. You know, I, I listen to or actually watch these little five-minute motivational videos. You know, most days it gets sent to my mailbox by Darren Hardy, um, D-A-R-R-E-N, Hardy, H-A-R-D-Y.com. Um, he puts some pretty interesting stuff out there, usually about five minutes long, kind of just pump you up for the day stuff. And this morning, uh, he calls it Darren Daly. This morning, uh, he talked about a study that said, you know, a, a guy did this study that says that at your funeral, no matter how many people are there, only about 10 on average are going to cry. <laughs> that you you mattered that much to make about 10 people cry. And the study went on to say, and about 10 people on average are going to be glad that you're gone. <laughs> uh, that's, that's perspective, isn't it? Uh, because most of us are manipulated by the fear of man. And the Bible says that's a snare. We don't put ourselves out there. We don't do the things that, that bring significance in this life sometimes. We don't put our skills, our abilities, our art, whatever it is, we don't put it out there because we're afraid of what people might think. It, listen, this fear of man, it manipulates us and how we dress and where we live, the house we buy, the cars we drive. We're always thinking about what other people are thinking, and that's a trap. And so to be significant in life, it isn't about, well, having more things or having uh, a title or, or those kinds of things. Being significant in life comes through sacrifice. And so here's the, the leadership continuum that uh, that just kind of has been the progression in, in my life, um, is that we begin, this phase one of the leadership continuum is, is the idea of selfish leadership. You see, when I, I was a cop and I was starting to feel... A, a draw to go into ministry full time, and I emphasis on I wanted to get involved in making a difference uh, spiritually in the lives of young people. So I wanted to play my guitar in the worship band. I wanted to be part of the team. It was all about what I wanted. It was selfish, and most of us start doing things because that's what we want. I want. It's all about me. And yeah, I want to serve other people, but I want to be in this position. I want to uh, be a, a, a minister or a police officer or I. It starts with our desire and what we want. But the, ne the second phase, phase two, I call servant leadership. And again, this is just a, a way that, that, uh, that I started to frame it. Servant leadership is a step beyond that. It's no longer about I, it's about they need me. So in my case, when I first got involved in a worship team way back in the early 90s, um, I wanted to play my guitar on the worship team. Um, but then those weekly rehearsals and having to get there early every Wednesday night and you know raising a family and working a job with a heavy commute and all those things, there were times when I no longer wanted to do it. I would rather stay home now, but they need me. And so now I'm getting a little closer to being significant. 
I, I am now doing it because of others, not just what I want. And inevitably, inevitably, if I would show up for practice, even when I didn't want to, but because they needed me, it was always great. And I always felt better that I did it, that I I knew I, I sacrificed a little bit to be there. But I wasn't quite, quite to the third uh, phase that I call sacrificial leadership. Now, this Selfish is, I want to do it. I want to be involved. I want to make a difference. I want to write a book. I want to start a video series. I want to launch a ministry. I want to do this, that, and the other thing. Well, we get past the novelty of it, and, and we find out um, that it's, it's going to take more than what I want. It's got to be a motivation that I want to meet the needs of others, the servant leadership, selfish servant, the third phase being sacrificial leadership. Now it gets to the point where I don't really want to do it anymore, and I uh, I don't really care if they need me or not. I'm done with this, but the Lord hasn't released me. And it's hard to explain that other than the, the peace of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know in your heart, hey, whether I want to be there or not, whether I care if they need me or not, I know the Lord has not released me, and I need to stay engaged in this thing I've put my hand to. And we begin to sacrifice. Now it's it's really getting tough to do it, but that's where the traction towards significance really starts because people take note of sacrifice. They know when you stayed the course, when other people may have given up, when you went the extra mile, now we begin to make a difference. You know, um, those that know us well, you know, back in the 90s and 97, I was a youth pastor at a small church in West Virginia, and uh, I wanted to go into full-time ministry. I, and so I took this job, and uh, it was my first position as a full-time pastor. My brother, four years younger than me, followed me up there, and it took him a while to come around to the Lord and start serving the Lord, And but he got engaged. He wanted to separate himself from the familiar, so he moved to West Virginia where we were at, and he began to serve in church life and reach out to, I mean, the dregs of society. He would bring drug addicts to his home. He didn't have any children. He didn't um, have a wife, and uh, I'd say, Andrew, you need to be careful, man. Those guys will rob you blind. And he was like, man, I just want to make a difference. I don't care about stuff. And uh, so and on January 31st, 1997, I guess it was, he was playing drums in church with me. He was praying with a young man at the altar at the end of the service. Two days later, that young man broke in his house and killed him. And that's another long story. Um, that man ended up going to prison for the rest of his life. Uh, now, that was a trial in and of, its, in and of itself. Um, I talk a little bit about it in my book, Thrival Mode, uh, you can find on, on Amazon. Um, but the real test came uh, several months later when the young man that had, had did this heinous thing escaped from where they were holding him before the trial. And we were living in one of his family members' houses, and he'd already burned his grandfather's house down. And he, the family member that we were living in the, ha the house of, uh, he also had disdain for, and my children were living there. And I didn't know what to do. 
And so I, as soon as I found out he was on the loose, I gathered up my family and we moved in with a lady uh, whose husband had just left her and she had this like 4,000 square foot house and she gave us the master bedroom and here we were and I tried to stay in that other house with a firearm by my side just in case to see if I had a piece about being there and I didn't. So we had to move all of our stuff into storage and it's a quite a long and complex story. Uh, but suddenly my whole family was living in a bedroom and we didn't know where we were going to go next. You know, we were able to live in that particular house because uh, the Lord had worked out a financial deal. We couldn't afford regular rent on the youth pastor's salary. Let me, let me put it that way. So here we were kind of stranded in this lady's house for, for months. And it was a test. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew in my heart that, that, you know, God's going to do something through this. I don't, I don't know what, but he's going to do something through it. And, uh, anyway, I, I, I'm not going to tell you the whole story here, but we ended up getting another place to rent, but the real test still wasn't over. Let me tell you, I was at the sacrifice phase already, but before this thing went to trial, some people that were obviously uh, close to the young man that did this began to threaten my family as if we did something wrong. They thought that we weren't going along with a plea bargain, uh, which that was never on the table, by the way. We had nothing to do with that. So they were sending threats to my family. They were standing in my yard at all hours of the night with firearms in their hand and bashing our trash cans and things like that, and even interrupted a youth service before I was getting ready to speak one time. And uh, man, it was getting tough. Now, now I was beginning to use my children as an excuse for why I had to leave. But we go back to that, that piece. I the Lord, had, I just knew he hadn't released me yet. Finally, one night, uh, someone pulled up to our bedroom window with a motorcycle and just ripped that, the rear tire and threw mud all over my window at like 2 in the morning. That was it. I'd had enough. I packed my family up. I called the pastor. I said, we're leaving. I don't think we're coming back except to get our stuff. I'll talk to you later. And that was on a Saturday night. I didn't show up for church on Sunday. We headed down to Virginia Beach where my family was at. And I, I started working to get my job back with the police department. And uh, let me just say, by the end of that week, I didn't get the job back. And I still knew in my heart God had not released me that we were supposed to go back. And let me tell you, I was mad as hell. My dear granny had given me a bunch of preaching tapes to listen to while I was there. One of them was called Just Don't Quit. It sat right on top of the pile. And every time I looked at the pile, I saw that tape. Before I left Virginia Beach, I took that tape and I broke it to pieces with my bare hands. I never listened to it. I was mad at God. I mean, to tell you, I was in, I, to date, I haven't been, been in a deeper pit in a place where I was saying, Lord, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not your will, but mine be done. I'm not boasting in my strength here. I'm boasting in my weakness. I was mad as hell. Well, we went back. My wife went along with it. And uh, the next week, we had uh, record numbers in our youth service. It wasn't long after that that a young man came in. He was in his early 20s. He had been raised in church and been backslidden, and he, he decided he wanted to get involved. I didn't know till many years later that he connected with us because of our style of ministry. We, re, we reached out to a lot of hoodlums. Our youth group was more of a youth outreach than it was a church youth group. And we had about 100 kids, uh, almost as many as showed up, people showed up on a Sunday at the church. But we bust them all in, and they were just radical, I mean, just brats. Uh, but he was really drawn to that. 
And, uh, and so he got involved. Well, the Lord did release us from that position about two years later, and I wouldn't be talking to you today. We would, Life on the Verge wouldn't exist. All the pieces connected, but one of those pieces was that that young man that came in and got involved later became the volunteer youth pastor when I left, then the part-time youth pastor, then the associate pastor, and today he is the pastor of that church that is now thriving. It has turned a corner. Uh, I'm, I know it's bucking over 500 people a week, if, if not more now. They built a new building, um, and, and, I'm, and I know that our sacrifice made a difference in that scenario that, that we mattered, that our staying the course mattered, that us sticking with that phase of sacrificial leadership uh, helped contribute to what's happening in that church. It may, maybe just a small part, but it, it did matter. And, and so the word for you today is, listen, it's okay to get started with something because that's what you want to do. I want to get involved. Um, but you, you are going to reach a phase where you, you maybe, you could put it down, you could take or leave it, but they need me, and you, you stay the course. And, but where, where the real traction takes place is when you begin to sacrifice and people see that sacrifice. You know, when we go back to that church um, now, there are people that know what our family went through during that time. And we are, we are hailed as, as heroes. I would venture to say that most of the individual supporters of Life on the Verge um, come from that church. And, uh, and so, you know, Lord knows we don't like to get up on the cross, but that's where the big differences are made. Hey, I hope you got something out of that. This one was a little longer than usual. Um, we're getting ready to pack up our RV, and we've got a lot of work to do, so I don't know when I'll be back. But uh, thanks for listening, and check out our website, lifeontheverge.com. If you can donate, we're fully donor-funded. We would appreciate it. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.